The placement of this story of Mary and Martha immediately after the Samaritan story is really interesting. The Samaritan, as you remember, the lawyer says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus tells him the story of the Samaritan and says, go and do likewise. Go out and serve. And now we get the story of Martha and Mary where we're to understand that it's a call to inaction. So you have the Samaritan as a call to action. And now now this story story seems seems to be a call to inaction. It seems almost to be some kind of irreconcilable conflict going on here. Wait a second, Jesus, what do you want? Do you want me to go and do and be out there really active? Or do you want me to rest, to stop, to listen? Now, depending on your personality, and I think I have a clue to some of the personalities in this room, people normally have one or two reactions to this story. They either cheer Mary, yes! Mary's got it. This story is all about priorities, and you've got to understand that the Bible's the priority, the teaching of Jesus, and, and, and that's where it is. And so we should all become contemplative lifestyle people, right? Learning what is good. And, and, and so there's one group who just cheer Mary. I think that a lot of us cheer Mary, love this story of Mary because we never act like Mary. We are so busy. Our lives are so full. We can can barely barely get from from one place place to the the next between incidents incidents and activities and things going on that we wish we could be Mary. My goodness, give me five minutes to sit down. Give me 20 minutes on the couch. I've got to have it after a busy week. Right, Angie? Right. Gail came home the same way. Gail came home Friday night from Bible school or Friday afternoon late after dropping the little boys off at their house. And she said to me, it's early, I know. We're going out to dinner. And we're not we're cooking, cooking, and, and we're going to rest right here. here. And, and so, so we, we did that, that right? And, and so, so we cheer Mary because most of our lives have nothing in common with Mary, but we wish they did. did. And, and we, we know that we wish we had those kind of priorities in life. We were able to take the things we know that are important and really focus on them. And so there's one group that cheers Mary, and even those who feel like Martha at times cheer Mary. And then, so, so we have one group who cheers Mary, and you want to be Mary, and um. Right? Right? That's That's where we we want to be. be. That's That's how how we we want to live our our life every day. day. And And then there's there's others who really look at Martha and say, I know Martha's experience. She's getting the short end of the stick. She's having to do all the work. I have to do all the work. I just get the short end of the stick. I go about doing good. I work hard. I take care of business. I go, I go, I go, I go. And now Jesus is here dumping on Mary. And Mary's, excuse me, Martha. And Martha's the one getting it done. At, At least, least she's feeding someone. someone. I got to tell you, our, our picture on the bulletin this morning, the worship guide, guide is really beautiful, but so inaccurate. <laughs> Martha is not feeding her sister Mary and Jesus. Jesus travels with a posse. Jesus has at least 12 other people with him. Martha's preparing a meal for at least 15 people, probably more than that. And so so she's she's got got a household of people here. here. Martha, those Those of us, how many of us know the Martha lifestyle? You run, you run, you run. run. Is Is there there any appreciation for you? Absolutely none. People give you another job. What's the reward for good work? More work, right? Who do you give the job to to get it done? A busy person. And then do we appreciate them? No, we go off and sit by the pool and take it easy, right? And so we understand that. Some Some of us us can can identify identify with Mary. That's That's the lifestyle lifestyle we have. I don't don't think there's anyone in this room who can do that, but there are people like that. 
Most of us wish we were Mary, but the truth is we identify with Martha. So as you look at this story, it really continues the counterculture approach to social tradition that we saw in the Samaritan. So if you remember last week, Jesus really goes outside of social tradition in what he's teaching there. And so there's several things here that really counter that social tradition. First, we have Martha, a woman owning a home. That's not how things worked that time in the first century in Israel. She owns her own house. This is incredibly rare. Seems to take care of her own house. And then we have Jesus entering a woman's home. Yes, he's invited in, but he goes in. Where's the man of the household to welcome him? This is just all wrong, Jesus. People don't know this. But we know that Jesus has trouble figuring out who to eat and drink with, right? We know that that's a challenge. And so once again, Jesus has that problem. And then we're told that Mary sits at Jesus' feet. That's the position of a learner. Teachers do not allow women to sit at their feet and learn from them. It's only men who get to learn and sit at Jesus' feet, or anybody's feet, a teacher's feet, excuse me. It's, it's only men who get to do that. And so Jesus is just throwing social tradition out the window. And so we have all these kind of weird things going on in this very simple story that's really obvious. Get your priorities straight. You know, when you come to a passage like this in the lecture, you go, what am I going to do with that? Everybody, preach it to yourself, right? This could have been a Sunday I could say, close your eyes, take five minutes, preach it to yourself, and we'll say goodbye. Most of you would go, yes, because I'm so busy like Martha, I need my time, right? So the first thing we have is social tradition being kind of thrown out the window here by Jesus. And then we have the contrast of the two sisters. We see Mary listens to Jesus. And for those of us who come from a certain disposition and being very unhelpful with Martha, right? And we get the feeling from how the story is set up and the words used here that Martha has asked Mary for help. Mary, I could use a little help. You know, I'm serving meals to 20 people here. And, and besides that, I had to wash their feet because that's a thing you do with hospitality. And so she asked Mary for help, but is getting ignored. Our look at Martha is more detailed in this story than it is at Mary. It's interesting that we all think that we're supposed to become Mary as a part of the story. And yet it's Martha who we get the detailed look at. Again, she's a homeowner, a woman of success. She is perceptive. She's smart enough to invite Jesus to come to her home. A lot of people wouldn't do that. There had to be some perceptiveness on the part of Martha to understand, this is a person I should invite to my home. She's drawn by Jesus' teaching. There's something here that's life-giving and important, and I want to know more. I'm going to bring Jesus in my home. And while countercultural in several ways, owns her own home, a woman of success, invites a man into her home, She's very traditional concerning hospitality. Now, we've talked about hospitality several times over the last couple of months. Hospitality, the welcoming of people. Very important in the first century. It is very important culturally to provide hospitality. As you know, Jesus, when, when, when meeting with some of the Pharisees and they say, you're eating with the wrong people, he says to him, since I've walked in here, you haven't washed my feet, you haven't greeted me with a kiss. In other words, you haven't been hospitable toward me. This is something, something really important. Wash my feet. Prepare food. Make the guests comfortable by making over them. Now, that's a term I don't know if you know, but in our family, we know that term. 
My mother was one who made over her grandchildren and her daughter-in-laws. As her son, I didn't always appreciate that uh, because I felt I got left out sometimes. Uh, you know, my, my mother would let the Jordan would come to her house. Now, if Jordan or Nathaniel got a shot, if they had to get a shot, oh my goodness. They're made, They're made over before they go. They're, They're made over when they come back. You know you're going to go get ice cream. It's a given. You get a shot. You go to Grandma Nellie's, and you're going to get ice cream. And you can get as big ice cream as you want, I think. I never was invited to go along very often. But, uh, but anyway, that's another story, right? Uh, uh, and, and, so, and, and when Jordan shows up, Jordan, as a little kid, loved to cook. Just didn't have the ability to. Now he's a pretty good cook now. But, but we, we would go, go in to pick, pick Jordan up. Gail and I would go in to pick Jordan up after she had kept him for a little while. There would be flour all over the place. He would have made onion biscuits and stuff that was inedible. But my mother would take a bite and say, how wonderful. And make us eat it too. And make us eat it too, which is how I knew they were onion biscuits. Because she was going to make over her grandchildren and her daughter-in-laws. That's just how she did things. So Mary rests, and Martha has to do the making over. It is hard work to make over. You have to prepare the meal, and you have to clean up after. You have to wash the feet, and you have to clean up after. And so we see that Martha, countercultural in so many ways, is very traditional in this way of hospitality. And so she is working hard. We're to understand that from this story. And, and we're, we're told, told that, that she is distracted. That's, That's an interesting, interesting word there. Martha, Martha was distracted. And, and what, what that really means is she was pulled in two directions. The implication here is that, yes, she, she wants to do hospitality. She wants to welcome Jesus and the disciples well. But the reality is she also wants to be listening to Jesus. She would like to be where Mary is. And so she's distracted, pulled in two directions. She, she could, could not, not sit and do what she wanted to do because she had to do what had to be done in terms of hospitality. And she wants Mary to fall in line and help out. Because if Mary will just get up and do a little bit, maybe she, Martha, can hear a little bit about what Jesus is saying. So we're to understand that Mary is distracted, she's frustrated, she's unhappy, and maybe a little bit angry. And so we wonder, looking at Martha, if listening to Jesus just becomes another task to complete. I'm greeting Jesus, yes, I'm doing the hospitality, but I'm also supposed to be listening to him because he seems to be liking that Mary's listening to him. And, and so is it just another hospitality task? We're getting two views of hospitality here. One is counterculture. Mary is doing nothing but listening. And she, and she somehow, somehow believes that listening to Jesus is hospitable. That somehow that's offering hospitality. That maybe that's what Jesus needs to teach, to have people hear, to have people understand what he's trying to teach. Because he has so many throwing rocks at him. Maybe, maybe if I just listen, that's what Jesus needs today. And maybe she's figuring out what Jesus needs. So that's one view of, of hospitality. The other one is Martha, of course. The preparation, making the gift guest comfortable no matter how difficult it is for her. Martha appeals to Jesus and seemingly gets rebuffed here. You know, Jesus, why don't you order Martha? 
or ordered Mary to do something, right? To get up and help me. And that's really what, what Martha is saying. Jesus ordered Mary, as though Mary and Martha are just to be ordered around. And so she takes that and she seemingly gets rebuffed by Jesus. But the reality is that Jesus' reply to Martha is not nearly as harsh as it's made out to be so often. He says, Martha, Martha. In the language of the day, that was a voice of compassion. That was a voice of sympathy. My dear Martha. He really is appealing to Martha out of his love for her. Not Martha, you're getting it all wrong. Now leave Mary alone. I told you 12 times, leave your sister alone. Leave your brother alone. That's not it at all. It's a deep compassion for Martha. Martha, Martha, wait, wait. You're worried and upset, Jesus says. You're anxious. The word means literally unduly concerned. Martha, you're unduly concerned about my hospitality. You have let those unimportant tasks divert you from, from your proper concern, which is the relationship that we should be having together. Here again, we see Jesus' extraordinary approach to social tradition. As we said, we've talked about table fellowship. Who you eat and drink with really matters. It's everything. Who you touch is a hurt person. Calling a Samaritan a neighbor throws that tradition out. Martha is doing everything right according to tradition. She is honoring her guest, Jesus. She's just not relating to him or getting to know him. This is right and proper. And Jesus says, no, Martha, this is not needed. You're worried about many things, he tells her, but few are needed. In fact, only one. Now, we often take that and say, well, the one thing she needs is, 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 is the Bible, right? Jesus' voice, we always call it the Bible, but Jesus' voice, the red letters, right? She needs to be listening to Jesus. This passage, which seems so straightforward, is really difficult to translate. Uh, there's six different possibilities of translation of only one thing is needed, or indeed only one thing. There's six possible translations. What Jesus is probably telling her, instead of come and listen to me, I'm the only thing important here, what Jesus is really telling her, look, one dish will be enough. Why don't you just prepare one dish? One's all that's needed. Prepare one dish, and then we'll have time to relate to one another. Then you'll have time to relax and listen. And listening to me, Martha, is important. What Martha needed was to hear Jesus. And perhaps Jesus needed that too, to teach. We know that Jesus has been teaching already. I have food you don't know of. The disciples tell him, come and come and, and, and have some food. And Jesus says, I have food you aren't aware of. Martha needs to understand that just a little bit of food will do because Jesus is going to give her food that she's not aware of and it's food that nourishes. What Martha has not realized is that, is that she, she is, is not, not the host, host at this gathering. gathering. Jesus, Jesus is. Jesus is serving. Jesus is providing the hospitality to both Mary and Martha. Jesus is encouraging Martha to find a balance in her need to be hospitable, which is important. You know, the disciples really probably did need some food. Uh, they've been invited in for a meal. They probably did need some food, but just a little bit. It'll take care of it. Martha, you, you, you can come and, and, and be hospitable and still hear what I've got to say. Just a little food, Martha. Let's talk. Let's spend our time talking instead of cooking. Jesus is not the guest here. You know that, that, uh, that uh, little prayer, come Lord Jesus, be our guest, and let the gifts to us be blessed. That, that's really not 
a wonderful theological prayer. It's a wonderful prayer if you've learned it. It's great. Pray it. I'm not suggesting that. But what I'm suggesting is Jesus is not the guest. Jesus is the host always. The one providing to us. The one being hospitable to us. The one caring for us. The one sharing with us. The one welcoming us into Jesus' place. Jesus is the host. And Mary hasn't, uh, Martha hasn't quite understood that yet, but Jesus encourages her to. So what do we do with this? What do we do with this passage? Well, we buy that book that says One Dish Meals, and we make One Dish Meals. That's, maybe that's it. Maybe. Or maybe we relax a little. Just maybe, instead of being a 10-course meal, we provide the food. We relax, relax a little and find some calm and some quiet in our life. Maybe Jesus would have us find a balance. A balance between learning because don't we usually feel guilty that we don't read the Bible enough during the week? We don't pray enough during the week. We don't meditate enough during the week. We don't share with others about God's love enough during the week. And we have all kinds of just angst about that if we let ourselves have it. But maybe Jesus is saying, find a balance between learning and between serving in the world. And find a balance in such a way that both are spiritual disciplines in our lives, both learning and serving. If we can understand that this is not a call to contemplative life above a life of action, we might find a third way, a way that lets us listen to Jesus, hear Jesus' words in ways that feeds our souls, that is the guest at what he has to welcome us to, feeds our very beings, and that as we listen, we listen so well that we are compelled to action like the Samaritan, like the lawyer was being compelled to do. Maybe we can understand that the right amount of both is a balanced, faithful life. Yes, read the Bible. There's much to learn there. Read spiritual guides and wise people. There's much to be learned there. Practice prayer, even if you're doing it with your eyes open, I hope, driving down the road. Study who you are and how God's interacting with your life and those around you. And as you have opportunities, serve. Serve. Look for opportunities. Keep your eyes open to serve other people. Seek those kind of opportunities. We don't have to be obsessive about it. Ours is not the world to save, no matter what we've been taught. We're not going to earn our way into heaven. We're just simply called to learn and serve. In these two stories that Luke places back to back, the Samaritan and the story of Mary and Martha, he expresses, Jesus expresses in dramatic form something that could easily become a theological debate. Do we just become contemplative? Or do we just give our lives totally to service and not do any contemplation at all? But this, but this is not a conflict. conflict. Far, Far from being in conflict, conflict the, the two stories are rhetorically, theologically, and ethically coherent. They go together. And ultimately, the two stories stand as a message to the church. We are to be the community which takes action within a strong context of spiritual discipline and theological awareness. Thought and action together. We are called to that. It is a third way. Amen.